Welcome back to Crawford Insights, the podcast where we take a recent post from the Crawford Investment Council blog and discuss it with the author. I'm your host, Tom Bueller, Portfolio Manager here at Crawford, and today we'll be discussing REITs for the long run with Analyst and the Crawford Real Estate Strategy Portfolio Manager, Chris Kendrick. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Happy to be here. You've been following REITs really throughout your entire career. I know our listeners will be interested in getting your insights. It's a part of the market that's relatively unknown and relatively new as well, but it has provided good returns over time. So I think it'll be an interesting podcast for us today. Great. So for our listeners that may not be as familiar with REITs, can you explain what the acronym stands for and really how this business structure came into existence? REITs have been around since 1960 and stand for Real Estate Investment Trust. The REIT structure was introduced by Congress in 1960 to allow all investors access to commercial real estate, not just wealthy Americans and partnerships. The unique feature of REITs is that they are not taxed at the corporate level so long as they distribute 90% of their taxable income to investors. Investors are then taxed at their own ordinary income tax rate. Do you ever see a situation where a REIT doesn't distribute 90% and does pay that corporate tax? No. In order to stay in compliance, they have to distribute 90% of their income. REITs were broken out into their own economic sector back in 2016. What was the impetus for that? Well, the real estate sector and its importance in the economy has grown materially over the last 20 years. To give you some context, since 2000, the total equity market capitalization of listed REITs has grown from $9 billion to over $1 trillion. So S&P decided it warranted getting its own GICs classification sector. You mentioned the last 20 years. It's been a very rewarding environment or period for REIT investors. I was surprised to see that it's been one of, if not the best performing asset classes here in the U.S. What's led to that? Well, I believe it's a few factors are at play here. One is consolidation. Public REITs have been active buyers of smaller players the last 20 years. A second major factor is rent growth, which has been possible due to new supply growth and just the scale of the companies. And finally, lower interest rates have benefited valuations the last 20 years. So some of those factors may still be in play. Some of them may be changing, especially on the interest rate front here. Do you think the environment going forward for REITs can be as rewarding as what we've seen over the last 20 years? I do. And, you know, 20 years is a pretty good track record. I believe the performance will be enduring given the scale REITs have today, as well as increased demand from private equity and institutional investors that want into real estate. The amount of M&A in the public REIT space the last decade has been staggering and is continuing as private players put a higher value on REIT portfolios than the public market. We've had two holdings in our portfolio, PS Business Parks and Switch acquired in the last 12 months alone. So this overall should keep a bid under the sector longer term. And what about the impact of higher rates that we're seeing today? Well, there's been various studies on higher rates and REIT performance, and the evidence is somewhat surprising. But REITs have materially outperformed common stocks 12 months after big increases in interest rates. I think you can attribute that to the ability of real estate owners to pass through inflation via higher rents. In addition, higher interest rates historically lead to recessions, which sets the stage for lower interest rates over time. So it could be a situation where pain today leads to benefit tomorrow. Absolutely, and we're experiencing that this year in 2022. You mentioned these companies with the ability to pass through higher rents. Do they naturally have escalators written into contracts, or is it just due to the fact that the lease term may come due and then it's time to renegotiate? 
That's a good question. Most real estate companies, it doesn't matter the property type, have at least two to 3% escalators written into the lease. So every year you get a 3% increase in rents alone. So there are many different types of REITs out there. Are there ones that we favor or really look to avoid? I guess maybe equally important. Yes. And if you were to look inside the portfolio today, you'll see the highest quality real estate we can find. High quality to us means great locations, accelerating and sustainable rent growth, and low maintenance capital needs. This leads us to having outsized exposure to cell towers, apartments, industrial warehouses, self-storage, and lab space. What you won't find much of in the portfolio today is secularly challenged areas such as malls or office buildings. Do you think those trends are likely to stay in place for a number of years? Given the evidence so far, I do believe so. As we see changes in the economy over time, do we envision that the holdings in the portfolio will also adjust to reflect that? These trends have been in place a long time, and I believe they will stay in place. So we intend to own these companies a long time, but we will always sell if we believe a holding trades at a material premium to our net asset value or a better opportunity arises. You mentioned some of the areas that we really favor, apartments, industrial, data centers, etc. Do you think those are places where we'll continue to look to invest over the next three to five years? I do. And given the decline in REITs this year, we believe 2023 is setting up to be a sizable rebound in certain areas, given just what's going on in the market today. For example, Alexandria is a holding we have that's the only pure play lab space REIT in the market, and it's trading at a material discount to net asset value. We like the shares for several reasons. For one, this is arguably the most valuable real estate portfolio in the U.S., given its critical mass and research hubs of Cambridge, San Francisco, and San Diego that are also leased to the world's best biopharma companies with the best credit ratings. Secondarily, the work-from-home trend does not work for companies conducting biotech research. It simply doesn't work. You can't do it. And finally, the institutional demand for lab space real estate is off the charts. There was a recent sale in San Francisco to an institutional investor of a vacant office building formerly occupied by The Gap. The investor paid $1,100 a square foot for this vacant building, which is adjacent to Alexandria's 9 million square foot portfolio in the area. At today's share price, Alexandria trades under $900 a square foot on an enterprise value basis. So we think it's a steal at today's prices. Secondarily, cell tower REITs, which include American Tower, Crown Castle, and SBA Communications, continue to benefit from the rollout of 5G by telecom providers. This rollout will be over $100 billion, and a lot of that rollout requires new antenna and radios to be attached to the towers, which means more rent for these REITs. So we really like the cell tower REITs. And finally, we are overweight apartments, which continue to see double-digit rent growth and are a big part of the inflation story. A tailwind for apartments going into next Next year is the unaffordability of single-family homes. Mortgage rates today are currently near 7% for a 30-year fixed. Higher financing costs coupled with the price appreciation we've seen the last few years means people will likely have to rent longer. So we're very bullish on apartments. Great. I appreciate you giving us some color on some of the individual names. It really helps to bring it to life. Since we're talking about the names in the portfolio, can you give us a little bit of additional detail on just how the portfolio is constructed, the number of holdings we have, the representation that we're looking to have really across the different types of properties that are out there? Sure. This is a best idea portfolio of around 20 real estate securities, 20 to 25, but currently it's right around 19. The strategy is long only. We don't employ 
leverage, and every company must pay a dividend. We are diversified across the best property types, and up to 20% of the portfolio can be non-REIT equities such as hotel companies, home builders, or land plays such as Vail Resorts, which is not currently owned. Do you have specific characteristics that you're looking for the portfolio to have or, you know, representation in different areas of the real estate market? Well, we do have guardrails in place, but our mission really is to own the highest quality real estate available in public markets. As I mentioned earlier, this means we're looking for accelerating rent growth and low recurring capex cost. So typically in the market today, that lends itself to higher valued REITs, but you know what, they're more expensive for a reason because they have enduring qualities and characteristics that we want. So what types of investors would benefit by owning this strategy? Well, as I mentioned earlier, given the higher tax rate on REIT dividends, the strategy is ideally catered to tax-deferred accounts such as IRAs and 401ks. But really, any client that wants direct exposure to the best real estate and public markets is a great fit. Chris, thank you for taking the time to cover an area of the market that's often not focused upon. REITs have provided some very attractive returns historically, and the Crawford real estate strategy has the potential to offer some attractive exposure to this area of the market. I appreciate you discussing the space and the strategy with us. Great. Thanks for having me. Well, that concludes the episode for today. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check out our article, REITs for the Long Run, on our website at insights.crawfordinvestment.com forward slash perspectives. Subscribe to the Perspectives blog while you're there, and be sure to come back next month for another episode.